Welcome to The Writing Life, the podcast for anyone who writes. I'm James Gill. And I'm Laura Stimson. From the National Centre for Writing here at Dragon Hall in Norwich. I work with Gill here at Dragon Hall managing various writer development programmes. As part of the Early Career Awards, we regularly publish resource packs, which are bundles of advice, interviews, audio and video for writers to access for free. Each pack is on a theme. We have packs on beginnings, structure, plot, editing, world building and many more. And this podcast forms part of our new pack, which is all about love. It includes exercises, articles, and indeed this episode of The Writing Life, a discussion about writing love with Maddie Mortimer. Maddie is the author of Maps of Our Spectacular Bodies, which won her the 2022 Desmond Elliott Prize, which is the cornerstone of our Early Career Awards. The first part of our conversation was about the Desmond Elliott Prize win, but we soon started talking about the novel and writing craft, and about writing love in its many forms, from the intimate and tender to the physical and visceral, from romantic to the familial, and how religion also plays a part in the book's landscape. There are more than 10 early career packs available on our website and all for free. Packs include guides, interviews, podcasts and videos. And the packs cover things like dialogue, research and endings, as well as those that Laura mentioned. Just head on over to the free resources section of our website. And so, without further delay, we join that conversation between Laura and Maddie. What I find fascinating is everyone has a has a different, um, and I think theory is a good word because I think people, I think that writers hold on to the way that they, the way that they address their editorial, particularly as a mm-hmm. kind of as as something that's um, sort of instinctive, um, mm-hmm. but also as something they've almost like built up. They've, de- they've developed their theory over the course mm. of years so this will be if you know if you ask this writer about how they edit it has to be this and and that is you know the conclusion that they've come to is that this is the way you know mm. and it's fascinating because everybody has their own theory and the idea that you know for some writers that you would just write you know just write um get the story down on the page and then look at what you've got after 200 pages it's like mm. completely shocking because it because <laughs> the, the, the idea of um, editing as you, as you go, go along is such a different way of approaching it but but you know pl- plenty of writers that's 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 how you have how you have to work yeah. and then editing via theme or via um through the lens of a particular character must bring another layer so each time you're editing you're basically adding a new layer of meaning Absolutely. to the story I think which is interesting now you have said that because I think it reads you can kind mm. of feel that actually those layers mm. um and I think the la- the layers of particularly the family the, the, you know the family at the core of the story which of course um goes back general you know mm. not just one but two generations yeah. um it feels in reading like you're you're kind of layering up your understanding of this family as you read mm. and you're not given everything all at once obviously um and it's it's kind of it's interesting because obviously it's a very linear non-linear non-linear book mm. I feel as a reader whereby the way that you've approached the writing in the first place is fragmentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask if the novel started out as a novel or whether it started out as something else, as pieces of writing or vignettes, or whether you always knew that you wanted to tell this story in 
fragments and then look really carefully at how they build I think I think I'm I've always written kind of in fragments I think that was I, I think it would have been too intimidating if I'd gone into this whole sort of project being like this is going to be a novel and so I I think I, I began with lots of vignettes and characters and weirdly I was thinking about this the other day of like where did it really start again because I have perhaps because I just have a very strange relationship with time but but you know in the same way that I'm like I couldn't tell you how many drafts there are I can't I couldn't tell you when um I couldn't tell you when uh when it really started because there's so many parts of this book that felt like they've been kind of brewing and have been mm. part of kind of my my writing I guess for a really 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 long time um like almost like 10 years ago, like I found some, like, I found some sentences that I, I hadn't, no, you know, that made its way, that made them their way into the book um, that I wrote when I was like 17, you know? And so, so there are, there are, there is, I was, I was like really, really, really early on, like even in university, I was writing all these little kind of fragmentary sort of prose poems about this boy on a bike called Red who was oh wow okay like just burning through this place just like burning through this landscape but I didn't know what red was oh wow and I didn't know what the landscape was but I obviously went back and looked and thought oh no that's that's key that's chemo and this landscape is a body and um and I also had lots of um lots of musings and memories that never made their way into the book. But now I recognize as Harry looking back on this woman, Leah, he was married to who died too young. And he is in, was in his like late eighties. And there was just lots of these memories of this woman, of this person. Um, and again, I wrote them at university and I realized now look, finding them and reading it being like, God, that was Harry. That was, that was Harry. Oh. And that was Leah. So we just get that character at a different time in his different life. Time. Exactly. Yeah. So weirdly, the first two characters yeah. I actually had of the entire book was Red, who isn't even really a character now. It's just sort of a form, a kind of symbol. And Harry, um, which just is so funny, you know, to think that those were the those were the two little seeds. And through them, yeah. I ended up. Um, but I get I guess that's also um uh, perhaps a good example of like how I didn't I didn't go in wanting to do anything too kind of like close or personal I wanted to like you know keep keep the book um as this big kind of like fictional thing so I think go into mm-hmm. going, you know starting in these kind of obscure kind of fragments made sense you know yeah and you say and you say that you you feel like officially you know red isn't character but of course red holds the book, holds the attention of the book like a character and kind of as a, as a kind of a narrative force feels like another character in the, in the book. Did you, what, did you have a balance? Was there a balance of how much you wanted that voice to kind of take over? Cause you didn't want it to take over the lives of the, of the living characters. Uh, the, the, the I, the first person, the red, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. I. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, I will know. So the eye, red, red is the key, the chemo. The yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sorry, eye. I'm so thinking back to the, the the earlier analogy of of your your cat, you, your first forming of the idea of the character, and then the yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. As a separate, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't there as a first person voice at all. It was, okay. it didn't, it didn't exist 
uh, I yeah, it, all of all of the stuff that existed inside the body um, was kind of third person, sort of traditional quest narrative um, okay. of this of these forms moving about, and they were either destructive or healing. Um, you know, kind of they they impacted the landscape in like various destructive or healing ways. Um, and they all kind of represented their different things, like, you know, the the cancer or the chemotherapy or or the daughter or the husband or whatever. And they were kind of um and 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 you kind of had to work out what was going on through the kind of allegory of it all. Mm-hmm. Um but it was just too obscure running alongside this family drama. It was almost like existing, like a kind of never ending story type. Um, you know, it's like, a, it was like a fairy tale that kind of existed alongside. Um, but it was all very, yeah, it was all very obscure and it felt quite remote and like the registers were too similar moving between like the third person of this, of this, the story of a family and then this kind of, slightly more mythical allegorical landscape I knew that the thing that I wanted to really play with was voice was this kind of this this I this first person and I've always been really really tentative to write in first person um and so then knew that that you know anything that you're tentative to do is probably the thing that you need to do because there's a reason why you're scared of it or why you're shying away from it it's probably the answer to all of your problems so you just inverted it and just decided that the I but obviously the 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 third person is tells the story of all of the other characters in Mm. the book but it's a very very close um third person Mm. and I think the word that 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 um I think of to describe the the book but also the experience of reading is um is that it's it's about intimacy so it's about the intimacy of the body it's about the intimacy of the the connected relationships between the family members and you know heartbreakingly intimate the the always I think the relationship between um mother and child um and looking how how that relationship is kind of mirrored but also affected and altered by the generation that came before and that relationship um but also what I really love of course because you can't um you can't avoid that this book is um is about the experience of cancer and chemo and having your body um you know having your body overtaken by something a bit a kind of malevolent host Mm. um what what I love about the writing particularly is that it's very very visceral and very um sort of real and fleshy and raw and sort of disgusting and beautiful and do, I get this I get the impression that you really enjoy kind of choreographing the like real the reality of bodies and how they move with each other as well and there are some really lovely sex scenes and for mm. example and so it's not just about the kind of the medical body but also the kind of yeah I think choreography is is, is the best mm. word that I can find to describe the way that people move with each other as well is that something as a writer that you really love writing about absolutely I think it's that I think the whole book is just really uh preoccupied with that that the sort of contradiction between like who we are in outward facing sort of you know in rooms in Mm -hmm. kind of in our in all our kind of polite manner and our kind of daily domestic you know selves and and who we really are in our like darkest 
uh, moments. And and mm. and and I think it's their con- the whole book sort of constantly navigating that or, or or kind of playing with you know who we really are and who we want to be. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, I think it was always going to be this very visceral, this very kind of raw visceral thing, this fleshy thing. Um, partly because I was thinking so much about the inside inner workings of a body. And so, you know, just even, even writing the inside of a body and all of the kind of the architecture, you know, mm-hmm. instantly in, in thinking that in, in thinking about that and immersing yourself in that world, it kind of like seeped into the way that I saw the outside world too, you know? So it was, it was going between the two kind of writing styles of being interior and the exterior, the writing itself, self ended up sort of bleeding into one and all of those boundaries sort of collapsed and mm. it made the whole thing very alive and kind of disgusting and pulsing and um and thinking about just you know like the marks that we make on on our skin and then and then thinking about it from the inside of a body is is almost like mm. that's what my that's what I'm always trying to do with 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 writing with with the way that you know, language is perceived in the book or an image or a metaphor. It's like you establish something and then what does it look like on the reverse? And I think that's what what I'm always trying to do. It's that constant turning something over, looking at it from the other side. And this thing that was very familiar and very normal to us is like actually uncanny and bizarre mm-hmm. and unknowable. And, and that's the case for everything that we know and that we feel and that we, you know, that we touch that it's there's this other life on the flip side Mm. you know and I think that's what the book's kind of constantly trying to grapple with or at least um reveal expose or whatever you know yeah it's really um like a very pop culture reference here that springs to mind is that Hmm. you know really cheesy 80s film in a space which (laughs) makes me think of like inhabiting the insides of somebody's body and the fact that we walk around you know Hmm. living inside these bodies Hmm. every day and and quite often we don't think about we don't want to we don't want to think about what's going on inside but obviously the kind of um there's a kind of there's a analogy there around the family as well as a kind of network and like not wanting to think about what's going on on the other side of this family member's external life because Mm. obviously there are things around the expectation of your parent and your parent being infallible and your parent being good and your parent Mm. being um you know brave and and all of those things are exposed in the book which hearing you talk about that makes me think of those those sort of fallibilities of some of the characters in the books some of the mistakes that they make and and how other members of the family would rather not know you know mm. because actually it's that exposing of all of the the, the true grit of life that, that, mm. that is obviously you know quite frightening yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that that's yeah that's they're all of the all of the characters are going through that aren't they there's like there's like these these constant kind of like dual tensions of of of, and it's and it's all and it's all kind of led by this this dark you know they all have this what I see all of the characters as having these quite um dark impulses um 
Mm. that they're constantly trying to uh, sort of fend off or or generate in themselves. So like Harry is, Leah, Leah, I think I consider her quite a dark character because that's what the eye is. It's just sort of Leah's worst self. But, mm. but you know, Harry doesn't think about uh, having, you know, you or at least, you know, at the beginning of the book, doesn't think about having an affair or doesn't think about kind of like the, the, the sexuality of existence as much as Leah would like him to. Um, and mm. so he's constantly throughout the whole book trying to draw that out of himself. Um, he's trying to, um, trying to be a risk taker, trying to 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 live to occupy a kind of more violent supposedly mm. masculine space that that Leah perhaps um has suggested that she'd like to see from yeah. him because and, and and you know and Iris is the same Iris it's like Iris just wants to be popular and the reality is is that she would like to be doing what burn girl's doing she kind of wants to terrorize the school she wants to have power and and um and she wants to be her best friend she wants to be at the top and so all of these you know, all of these kind of impulses that are leading uh, the characters are actually come from quite dark places. And it's it's about that, that you know, the kind of, I guess I'm just really obsessed with, with you know, fight of, of um, the ways in which we we are these two versions, these two selves, and we're constantly trying to like marry these like contradicting forces mm. that, that sort of govern us and lead us and and, and kind of dictate our decisions. Um, I love I love that inversion as well of the relationship between Harry and Leah and that she's you know explicitly disappointed in him that he doesn't have these impulses and she asks him have you ever thought about doing this and he says no no I'm content and I'm I'm in love and and it's a kind of masochism on her part it's like you know she's being she she's trying to destroy the good in 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 that do you think that there's a feeling that she doesn't that, I don't know if is it that she doesn't she feels that she doesn't deserve that much goodness or that she or that she it frightens her or but there's something psychologically going on with her um and yeah. it's interesting how Harry deals with that is by rather than you know continuing to be this good person he's thinking well what can I do to which in itself is just showing how good he is how good he is to, exactly <laughs> it's like this like help her it's like the most the sweetest kind of suggestion of an affair that could ever happen um, <laughs> Well, yeah, kind of, but I guess I slightly, I, I slightly um, disagree with that whole notion of 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 Leah not believing that she deserves. What I mean, it's partly true of of her believing she is not deserving of goodness, but also that she is just so that she acknowledges that she is drawn to darkness. Like even at the very beginning of the book, um, she is walking mm-hmm. through this, you know, the streets and imagining all these people dying. You know, and it's this idea like she is a disaster tourist and it's, you know, she is drawn to. And that's, I guess, you know, why there's why the book kind of has uh, so, you know, it, it has its moments of melodrama and, you know, why the sex, why I loved writing all the sex scenes and stuff. And all of these all of these kind of more, uh, larger, um, more dramatic kind of narrative moments in the book are all about presence it's all about the fact that you know she's that that she at the beginning of the book there's almost this feeling that Leah is kind of like a little bit bored like if we look at her life before the beginning of the book like she Mm. how you know how like she's she's a little bit restless Mm. um she's a you know there's there's how and it's this idea that like we're kind of we're drawn to dark things 
um, because they or or, or or things that might harm us um, because they force us into the present moment because they kind of and I think in the book it even says that like you know that's what kind of like tragedy does it sort of robs us from um, robs us of uh, you know a past and a present and we're kind of yeah. you know empty of everything but time and therefore entirely present and I yeah. think that's kind of the main the thing that the almost the motor that I have when I'm writing is this idea of feet you know because that's because that's what writing is it's sort of beating against this this constant reflection you know it's it's mm. it, it's trying to kind of capture memory um and in its attempt to you know to to capture the the presence of something it's kind of it fails doesn't it because it's it's gone the moment's gone and we're constantly trying to chase it um yeah the moment's gone as soon as it arrives exactly and that's I think I mean all I think all art is kind of about that isn't it it's about this this morning catching impossibly capturing a moment and yeah it's like de- it's you know desperately trying to capture something that will never be able to you know will never be captured fully because life isn't art and art isn't life you know um and I think that's why you know that's why there's this idea of the first person in the book the bold sections kind of eroding and and taking over because it's you know it's really it's it's really time like you know it's like this idea that creativity an act of creation is also an act of destruction because it's there it's captured it it's done and then it's you know it's failed um and um yeah so I think I think that's why Leah is also is is and and I think you know Leah obviously feels the same way that I do conveniently (laughs) (laughs) um um and I think that's also why her relationship with Matthew is what it is and why she goes back to it um yeah yeah yeah. can I ask you about that kind of in the you know the in the idea of um traditional romantic love as opposed to the kind of family love or the love of God which of course religion plays quite a big part of of Leah's life um and her relationship with with God as her witness literally Mm. um but thinking about that kind of the other side of um the, lo- the love that appears in the book and mm. the romantic love, those aren't, don't, I mean, no, no relationships are, but those aren't, again, they're not kind of traditionally, they're not, the, they're not there to kind of offer kind of lightness in this quite difficult terrain of illness. Mm. They are very real and very flawed and very kind of complex. And even this, this relationship between Harry and Leah, who, who have this, you know, this, um, there's, there's a lot of lo- love yeah, between them and it's a very kind of stable relationship but of mm-hmm. course behind on the other side of things on the in the internal workings it's all very complicated and mm. particularly Leah's feelings as you've just demonstrated are very complicated um but also the relationship without wanting to kind of give away spoilers but um the relationship between Leah and Matthew you know it's not conventional start mm. and um d- d- was that something that just happened naturally kind of organically or did you did you want in your mind if you were going to have the traditional kind of sense of romantic love happening in the book between two people in a kind of romantic sexual um sexual awakening um Hmm. kind of way was it important to you that it not just be that that you that you tell that story in a slightly different way because as a writer you know it's just not going to be 
perhaps as interesting and Mm. um and you really do show the kind of the 360 of the character yeah 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 you know motivations essentially Mm. yeah I think that I think that the Matthew um I think the Matthew well firstly the the Matthew sort of plot line I guess and his presence in the book is kind of inevitably tied to Leah's relationship with God to this feeling that um that she's that she is set apart from her family um, and cannot access this thing that dictates their whole existence. Um, so, so his this kind of dancing around this absence is kind of was I knew going in that I wanted that. But I think also it was just from a like from a kind of write, writing perspective, um, it's it's I mean it's the mo- it's the most fun isn't it to write rom- romantic relationships even the darkest ones and the kind of most mm. twisted i i loved the returning to anything with matthew it was like that was the those were the there were there was a time where i was just spending so much time i was you know there was like a period where i was spending so much time with them um and and I kind of, oh, I won't give any spoilers, but I was spending so much time with them. And <laughs> so I was so difficult, like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, where is all this going? You know, why are we spending so much time with him? And then I realized why we were, which I won't say. So <laughs> it's a reason to be. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, there are, I think, I think the, the, the kind of the damage that, the damage that these these kind of great romantic relationships that are sort of fed to us in kind of popular culture and 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 books because that's uh, you know and kind of classics and stuff because I reference things like Wuthering Heights and Heathcliff mm-hmm. and you know those there's a, there's a there's a very kind of intentional um, yeah intentional kind of like um, elusive parts of the book you know that yeah. that um, that are really, yeah, that are kind of trying to take on these motifs and these tropes that we know, and then trying to sort of slightly reconvert them. Subvert them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's, and, and, and I, and I think it's very aware the whole, the, that whole kind of part of the book, the slightly more kind of like Gothic dark romance of them, you know, being like out in the wild and like having sex around the, around, <laughs> you know, the, in the countryside or whatever. It's all, it was it was all me kind of trying to um to to kind of work my way through those the kind of the great kind of romantic literary canon and and try and and try and sort of decreate it a bit and and interrogate how the the, the mark that that leaves on on readers too um mm-hmm. and there was a really interesting note actually because i think i was the whole matthew matthew was incredibly romanticized throughout the whole book um and then the americans <laughs> came in and were like um my american editor came in and was very kind of like she's really she's just really there isn't a moment where she doesn't where it all kind of falls into place and it's you know she just she's far too kind to this matthew character and i realized that actually i had fallen in love with matthew throughout the course of writing it and i was unable to 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 just kind of look upon him like badly or in a kind of like pathetic light and I realized that again that was my problem and it was all way too romanticized by the end so I went back and had to kind of uh, fall out of love with him through my writing and 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 have that be something that the book 
was doing you know intentionally but again that's that's what I loved about the whole process of this is that you you know you don't you you can have all these kind of like great ideas about the things that you want to sort of interrogate and untangle or whatever but ultimately the characters just lead you in a certain way and you follow that and then you have to look back at the whole thing and see where some have led you astray and some have like played tricks on you and some you're completely kind of in you know in command of all the way through and some run away from you you know and and I loved that about about the Matthew plotline because he did yeah he did definitely sort of take command in the same way that he takes yeah. command over you know the whole family and arrives yeah. to the bridge and and there's that moment where Lee is kind of shocked that he can sort of comfort and command without having said a word to both Anne and Peter and her mm. And he did exactly the same thing to me. And, and so it was immensely satisfying getting to the end of the book and having that moment where it's like, you know, um, yeah, there is what it's, it, I can't remember exactly the line, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's realizing that, you know, that a tragedy of a love like that, you know, is, does not sustain a man through temporary periods of joy and that like torture and, 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 kind of toxic love is not mm. the only thing that makes like poets out of men or whatever this mm. idea that that actually there is there is uh value and romance and and drama in like underrated niceness and quiet comfort I think that's what I love about the fact that we meet Leah at that early point in her life and then we meet her at the, that later point in her life mm-hmm. is that it's it's very quietly and subtly sort of teaching you about the different kinds of love and the different impacts that they have on you um on your yeah. you you know that those kind of those kind of rushes that that obsessional mm. lustful mm. and then how you know, and and you're not kind of what, what you're not saying with these characters is this is a better kind of love because it's trustworthy and it's nice and it's you're kind of saying this is the complicated way that people feel when they're presented with different kinds of love and perhaps if your temperament is like Leah's where you want something slightly more dangerous mm. in life that you might feel this way yeah. in, in this kind of safe environment. Yeah, well, that's what's really, but I mean, also, I mean, because there's, it's, I mean, Leah's in some ways actually quite an unlikable character, and I kind of wanted that to be the case, but people speak of her like she's this kind of great saint and they love, and you know, but she's, there's like this bit at the end when her and Matthew sort of have sex for the last time, and and she sees him again after like 10 years of of, of him going off after he left her in Italy or whatever, Um and, you know, he comes back kind of reformed and he's he's like surprisingly peaceful. And there's none of that restless electric energy that he once had. Um, and he's he's kind of he's kind of happy and normal and he's kind of found a way, you know, and 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 they don't have and they don't have, you know, there isn't that kind of dysfunction there anymore. And and there's something kind of and he's painted out through her eyes in this slightly pathetic way mm. like this idea that he's been he's been knocked off this kind of like great mantelpiece next to like Heathcliff and all of the great you know romantic heroes of our time that are all dark and brooding and he's kind of made his way through life and arrived as someone incredibly sort of normal 
and and actually kind of underwhelming and and that's a great disappointment to her yeah yeah that's it and this kind of um yeah dis- disappointment is mm. is is kind of it's another facet of of their relationship isn't it again mm. it's kind of you know what what is this love it's not it's showing you every every angle of yeah, that, of that human experience exactly, and that's why that's why it was so important to me that there are like these all these characters in the book have their internal characters, so they have Dove and Fossil or whatever, and that's mm-hmm. what you know that's what Fossil is. That's what the you know at the end in the at the end of the book, Leah has to sort of face Matthew's sort of shadow. Um, but of course, Matthew's shadow is is sort of her reconstruction of the man himself. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what all of these internal kind of, you know, shadow characters or forms that, you know, as I like to call them, I guess, um, that's what that's what they're there for. It's this idea that that we that we kind of make for ourselves these people that are in our lives that come and go and we remodel them and we, you know, that that. They they last forever in in us as these constructions of truth, but never the thing itself, you know. And so when Matthew when she she gets her kind of romantic re- reconciliation, not in reality, but through fantasy, through this kind of tumbling out of what's going on in her body and 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 mm. memories and and yeah, I think that was really important. Because I, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I, I feel like I imagine with any kind of like p- friendships, relationships, or whatever that no, you know, people that are no longer in my life or whatever. I just, I'm constantly constructing these kind of great epic scenes where we meet and certain things are said, you know, and and it's and it, they feel like they feel so real mm. once you've played out those scenes in your brain, and you feel that you've kind of it's enough it's almost enough sometimes to just have these people that were once in our lives and have them you know in a kind of like in a it's almost like a dreamlike state to sort of force you know it's a kind of puppeting isn't it it's a sort mm-hmm. of forcing them to say things and you get things off your chest and um yeah it's it's weird how active our imagination you know can be and how how we can sort of reconcile things for ourselves. We just need to kind of project. Thanks so much. I mean, there's just so, it's just so lovely to talk about the book with you. A huge thank you to Maddie and Laura for their time. If you have questions or want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Writer Centre. And you'll find us on Facebook by searching National Centre for Writing. Don't forget to sign up to our weekly newsletter by visiting nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk and clicking the orange drop down box on the homepage. As a UK registered charity, we rely on the generosity of our supporters to make our work possible. You can make a donation over on the website today by hitting the support us button in the top nav. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us because it helps other writers to find the podcast. Thanks again. Keep writing and we'll catch you on the next episode.